Farmers on the Farm podcast. My name is Donovan Jones, and I'm joined on my right as usual with Roy. Hello, everybody. Hello, Roy. How's it going? Oh, man. It's been a crazy couple weeks. Life comes at you fast, I'll tell oh, you what. God, life has been coming at us fast. And, and before we even get started, um, there's been a new addition to the Thomason house. Yes. King Thomason, this little squirt of a dog. Yes. Um, and then we... You so hear you'll, little, hear, you'll hear Franklin jingling around. You hear a little jingling. It's not Christmas time. Well, it's almost Christmas time. We have a little dog here. Yep, you might even hear him chewing on a squeaky toy or chomping on some rawhide or something. Copper Copper Dogsworth is also here, his big brother. Copper's a little quieter. But if you hear thumping, that's his tail wagging, knocking over the table yeah. or hitting things hard. So I feel like I owe we owe the listeners an apology because it's been a couple of weeks since we put something out. And there's been a lot going on. There has been a lot going on, but life has been going on with us, like we said before. And we apologize for no one. And believe me, I, we just have, you know, other things take precedence. And um, That's true. we love minor league baseball. We love the Padres. We love to give you guys content. God, Lord knows that Leisure Fire needs something to listen to on his box. And we need to appease uh, our Padre Twitter fans, our followers, our listeners, our general Miss Malcontents. <laughs> with stuff to fill up their ears with. So let's get started. Well, so I was just listening to the 5-5 podcast yes. and they just did their end of the season one. And they're like, yep, this is the end of the year. I And it I, it almost sounded like they weren't sure if they were going to do it again next year, but it's clear that they're not going to do another podcast until spring. But we've got to keep going. Yeah. There's go- minor league baseball being played right now. And there is. Tons of content, tons of people to talk to. We keep going. Yes. Why? Because you know... You need to be informed. Yes. You love the minor leagues just as much as we do. That's why we're here. Yes. So let's get started. And let's start with the affiliate shuffle. I, right before we, right before the end of the last podcast, we had talked about, uh, the you know, the last end of the missions. No, their missions are now going to be the AAA uh, affiliate for the Milwaukee Brewers, who are, pause, stop, and rewind. Playoffs are happening right now in Major League Baseball, which has been fun. It's, it's, it's nice not being emotionally invested in any of the games other than my hatred of the Dodgers, our, our common... Yes. And and our hatred of the Yankees. Yes. And probably the Red Sox as well. And at least to me, those are kind of the shared evils of right. sports um, fans outside of those areas. Right, but they don't really touch my anger like the Dodgers do. Nobody does. Um, so then we talked about, you know, there was talk about maybe the uh, the Padres AA team being Amarillo, and come to find out that they had become the Amarillo professional baseball team is now the Padres AA team. Yes. Now I call them the Amarillo professional baseball team because they do not have a name yet. They don't. They had five candidates. Which, which some of them were good. Uh, Sod Poodles is the front runner. Again, apparently after some... Uh, much grumblings about the locals there in Amarillo, and, and bless their hearts, it's their team. They need to name it. You know, I've come around on it. So you've got the the Bronc Busters, the Boot Scooters, um, what else, the Jerky, but the Sod Poodles, it sounds silly. But once I learned that Sod Poodles was like an old-timey name for Prairie Dogs, yeah. and you drive through Amarillo, really, what is there? There's Prairie Dogs and Tumbleweed, and that's about it. Flat services. Yeah, so that makes sense. And I can see the Prairie Dog and make... It'd be a cute mascot. It'd look good on... You, know, you could do some fun things with promotions. Right. I mean, Brandilis, I'm sure, is taking care of that. I mean, what's your, what's your mascot going to be for jerky? Is it going to be like <laughs> a tall, bacon-looking jerky guy? It's got to be. Oh. There, there's a bacon. There's a team that's some kind of bacon 
somewhere, right? Right. Is it the Smokies or something like that? I, I don't remember what it is. And I can't remember. There's the tacos. There's the bacon. There's the Copa Day. Um, there's Dogworth's Tail. Um, there's the Copa Day Inclusion. I think that's what they've been doing this last... Diver, Diverticio? Something like that, where they yeah. were changing the names. Like the missions became the Flying Chanclas. Yes. <laughs> um, anyways... Uh, in October, I think I read somewhere where in October they'll be naming, they'll come up with a real name and announce that. But since then, they've had the press conference. I watched that the other day before I went to work. Um, and, you know, here's the connection. I think Tony Gwynn played with the Amarillo Gold Sox back That's in right. the 80s. That's right. Yeah, the, the Padres had, was it a single A affiliate there? I, I think they were single A. Could, it could have been double A as well. Um, but, but there's a brand new stadium. And so. there's also a more recent connection to Amarillo in the Padres organization in Brad Wick. Yes. Brad Wick is originally from Amarillo. So we have an ambassador, an Amarillo ambassador on our roster right now. We do. And if you guys got a chance to listen to the, the press pass is a podcast from the guys out of Amarillo had Brad Wick on there and it was a really good interview. And uh, he's a real humble guy and it's a really solid podcast for hopefully we'll be able to talk to those guys the next coming week. And um, they'll be talking a lot of Amarillo baseball coming up in the future. Uh, but also in affiliate news, the Padres have also renewed their development deals with the Tri-City Dust Devils up in Washington and our lovely local Lake Elsinore Storm. Yeah. I like having some continuity. It's so nice having the Storm right there. A couple yeah. hours. We've, we've yeah. both gone up to several games this yeah. year. And anybody out there, I'm sure anybody who's listening to us right now, if they're in the area, they've been. But if you haven't gone, you should go. go. It's close. It's cheap. You can get in and out. The food is is reasonably priced. They do a pretty good job with the promotions and all that. But it's just it's just a pure baseball experience. Yeah. You're sitting there, and everybody's right there. You know the umpires can all hear you. <laughs> well, and so can the players. Um, and well, it's good to have a minor league affiliate so close. So you yes. see a lot of the players that go up there. Will Myers, and uh, other than Will Myers, Brian Mitchell went up there. So players get a chance. You know, the Padres can send a player up there that are rehabbing and uh, finish up the rehab right there. Or get a few at bats if they've been on the DL for a little bit. Uh, so it's nice to get have have a minor league play so close. Um, moving on, to, you know, and having uh, well, and all of, it's nice that we've had. To me, it's nice that the teams have stayed in the same place because you start to form a relationship with the fans in those areas. Yeah. I was talking, talking to Tim Haggerty with the El Paso Chihuahuas, and he was saying that the fans were actually getting into the Padres. And when you go around, you see Padres gear. gear. And so you've got a little bit of a, of a diaspora of Padres fans. That's a big word. Because of the local the local minor league affiliate. Yeah. So maybe if you went up to like Tri-Cities, you'd see people walking around with Padres stuff or or they'll follow their favorite players and they'll become Padres fans as a result because they yeah. saw Hudson Potts play right. when they were in, you know, in when he was in Fort Wayne. Absolutely. And you find that connection. Um, so Fort Wayne, you've got a note here about the uh, Continued Excellence Award. Why don't you tell us what that is? Well, the Continued Excellence Award is the best overall minor league baseball experience. They won it for the first time last year. They won it again this year with the overall baseball experience. Beautiful field, beautiful atmosphere. Uh, not to mention the product on the field has been in incredibly good uh, the past several years. So that's the second year in a row. And that once again. So the bugs in the night are the dog's tail. <laughs> um, so what recently happened is now with the new Amarillo Stadium, the Padres now have 
a, a brand new, almost a brand new stadium and three affiliates. Um, Parkview being one of the brand, one of the newer. Uh, El Paso is what five years old, and that's a pretty brand new ballpark. Mm-hmm. And then when Amarillo opens up next season, that's a brand new ballpark. So it's uh, it's good things for the Padres minor leagues because we have a lot of talent going through those those. Uh, those affiliates. So new ballparks. That also tells me that it's new facilities, new weight rooms, new kitchens, yes. new all of that stuff. Yes. Um, so we'll get to Sam Gini in a little bit here, but that was one of the things I wanted to know was what the team can do outside of the payroll to try to help the development of the players. Because I and you having yeah. to come up with their yeah. own. You know, you got like six people living in a two-bedroom apartment. Because the because the income is so small, yeah, and so yeah. they eat like crap and they live like crap. But then you want these guys to become world class athletes. How do, there's there's a disconnect there, <laughs> and you can't feed. You can't become a world class athlete on five dollars a day or twenty five dollars a day, and you know, and, and crappy minor league food. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, you know, just real side note. Last night, me and Lydia again were we were looking for where we want to go, and it's about five years. Six years, I'll be, we'll be leaving, um, and we were looking in places in, in cities and in, in minor league ballparks, and uh, yeah, and, and being a host town, it's, it's huge, and that's one of the big questions, and it's been so almost below average, below minimum wage pay. It is if you factor in not only spring training but off season workouts and off season nutrition. Um, well, they're not paid in the off season, right? They're not paid for spring training. They're not paid when they go to these these training camps, like the Arizona Fall League. I don't do this. Go live and and put out your best effort and do everything for months, but we're not going to pay you for that time. Yeah. I just don't understand how that works. Yeah. Um. And just for those that don't know. Uh- the, the finishing school, so it is the. It's like every game is an all-star game. Um, every 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 team sends their top prospects, are the prospects that they feel are very close to the major leagues. And so it's kind of like the finishing school for prospects. And we have the third youngest prospect in Hudson Potts, mm. nineteen years old. Nineteen years old. Um, you know, like Vladdy Vladdy Guerrero Jr. There hitting already seven hundred. Oh, it's just stupid. Just, Vladdy being Vladdy. Um, so there, for the Arizona Fall League, we have uh, Miguel Diaz, Hansel Rodriguez, Travis Radke, who we'll talk about a little bit later on in the Milbies, uh, and Darius Valdez. Um, the position players, Austin Allen, uh, Hudson Potts, and Buddy Reed. So Buddy Reed, he had an interesting season because, well, he and Hudson Potts both started off in Lake Elsinore. Yeah. Buddy Reed in particular just tore it up in Lake Elsinore and then went up to AA and really struggled. Yeah. Hudson Potts made that same transition a little bit later in the season. Struggled not as much. Right. Um, but it's clear with Potts that the power's there. And well then once once the and he did struggle there, he hit below two hundred, but once the playoffs came and it counted, he he started to really turn it on. Yeah. So it's a, it, maybe it's a matter of comfort, a matter right. of reps, but that's why these guys are in the Arizona Fall League to get the additional reps to yeah. get the the different looks against players from different levels. Because if you look at who's there, you've got guys that have only played in single A. You've got guys that have gone all the way to triple A. Yeah. Um, and Travis Radke played at 
every level of full season ball this year. He's yeah. a really interesting guy. And then Miguel Diaz has a full season of major league experience. Hansel Rodriguez, I don't think he's been above. What was he? Was he in Fort Wayne this year? So Hansel Rodriguez didn't get above Lake Elsinore. Okay, but they see enough in him where he's definitely going to get. He, they see him as a top prospect, so definitely going to probably see him uh, double A next year, or maybe even touching Triple uh, A. So then, up until now, he's been working with only the coaches at his level. Yeah. And now in the AZL, they're because if you go to Peoria right now, it's not just these guys; it's guys from all over the organization. Those backfields are chock full yeah. of guys doing workouts right now. Yeah. So he's working with p- pitching instructors, both the pitching coaches from every level and the roving instructors. You know, guys like Trevor, they'll yeah. go out there this time of year and and do some additional instruction. Absolutely. So you've got guys working on different pitches, like Reggie Lawson in the Don Welke game. He just he's working on a, a slider now. Devastating slider. And that's a new pitch that he just picked up in the yeah. last month or so. Yeah. So maybe you've got that kind of thing where they're working on mechanical tweaks or approach or, and there's so much there's so much so many moving parts in the Arizona Fall League that you can't really look at a stat line and discern much from it right. at least not in the first couple weeks right well and and to let to let our listeners know that don't know we are the peoria javelinas yes and the pitching coach for the peoria javelinas is pete zamora from lake elsinore well we are the peoria javelinas along with five other uh major league organizations mm-hmm. it's a, it's an amalgamation of all these different teams so that's another interesting thing is i look at the at their roster and i'm seeing all these different prospects from other teams yes so they form they form relationships with those guys, you know, because you'll hear people say, "Oh yeah, I played with them back in fall ball, right, back in 2012." Right. And well, I, f- I always find those little little stories interesting, how their paths crossed, and then years later a trade happened, and now they're on the same team. Or you see them hug out when they're in the major leagues, or even in the minor leagues. Um, so let's move on. So the Milby Awards just came out. For those that don't know, the Minor League Baseball Awards. Um, Put together by our uh, friends of the podcast, uh, Sam Sam uh, Sam Dystra and Tyler Mon and our good friend Ben, and they're basically um, they put together the best starter, best breakout season, and all these different awards for top minor league prospects, or at least um, top awards in the minor leagues. Thank yes. you very much. Let me slow it down. Some goofy stuff too. I mean, biggest blooper and. Biggest home run, best home run. Yes. Yeah, so it isn't just about the best players. It's about the best moments and what makes minor league baseball great. So go on Milby, uh, Milby.com and uh, vote there. For the Padres prospects, we have nominated Chris Paddock for two. Best starter and biggest breakout season. Um, best reliever, Travis Radke. Uh, the biggest uh, blooper of the year was when there was a snake on the, devil, uh, on the missions game that they had to stop play and they... You see the video and they're like trying to corral the snake and you know it's not like a snake handler guy it's like the it's like the law it's the it's the field guys or they're just kind of like trying to shoot the snake out the field. Um, best farm system, from what I understand, this is uh, the not necessarily the team with the best farm system, but how well those affiliates did in the season. So okay, we had we had like um, El Paso and we had San Antonio both go to the playoffs, so that could be. Uh, were nominated as well because our teams went to the playoffs. So you know, I saw an interesting stat. Um, I guess they put this up during one of the postseason games, the Astros games, but apparently the Astros pitching staffs had the highest strikeout rate 
at every single level of organized baseball, from Major League Baseball all the way down to Rookie League. Wow. Their pitching staffs had the highest strikeout rate. And one of their top prospects is in the AZL right now in Forrest uh, Forrest Whitley. Uh, Also, the... Corpus Christi Hooks were the best offensive baseball team in AA this year. Mm-hmm. Um, also in that Milby Award is home runs. Like most of them are best home runs, but we got Framil Reyes who hit five home runs in in five games. Eight was I thought it was eight home runs in five games. Well, it, it, it could have been. It could have yeah. been, but I think he hit five in a row, like five five consecutive games, games in a row that he'd hit a home run. Yeah, that okay. tear that he went on. I mean, that was just. God. That was that was one of the funnest parts of the season for me. Yeah, was knowing that he was doing that, and you're sitting there going, "How the Padres can't? They can't seem to do. They can't hit it out of a paper bag." And then you've got this monster, like legendary Paul Bunyan guy, man child. Yeah, just crushing (laughs) it. How is he going to come up? How are they going to find a way to bring him up? And they did. And. And he has become one of the biggest success stories of the year. He's definitely in the conversation for for starting roster. Everyone that talks about the outfield shuffle coming up in 2019, Framil Reyes has put himself there, not only with the home runs, but with the patience at the plate and discipline. And he's even improved in the field. Yeah, yeah. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to... We have several interviews in little twangy music. We have several interviews from the Social Summit. So we have Sam Gini, Jacob Nix, we have Mackenzie Gore, we have Luis Patino, and Ryan Weathers, all in 10-minute spurts. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit, give you guys some information, some of the stuff we have, and then we're going to tie in some of these uh, interviews and then come back with some more information, more content, and the tie in an interview. Uh, and right now we have uh, Sam Gini was great. So the director of player development for the San Diego Padres. Absolutely. And Jacob Nix coming up here, so enjoy that. So we're going to kick it off. We're going to do a Q&A for Sam, but I'm going to kick it off. Um, and if you can just tell us, let it tell us a, little, a little bit about um, Instructional League, the last two weeks in Arizona, and kind of a little behind-the-scenes look into what goes in um, back in Peoria. Absolutely. So um, once our minor league season's wrap up, obviously, we have about 200. You guys all know this because I know you guys are very serious. Fans. We have about 250 minor league players throughout the system. That's spread out over our youngest kids in the Dominican Republic. Um, we have a team in the DSL, the Dominican Summer League, two in the Arizona League, a team in the Tri-Cities in the Pacific Northwest, um, Casco, Pes- excuse me, Pasco, Canaway, Richland, um, and then Fort Wayne, Elsinore, San Antonio, and El Paso. So once those seasons wrap up, um, we basically brought and fairly similar to most other clubs, we brought about 70 of our top prospects down to Arizona for another three weeks of games, instruction, and it's very, um, for us it's very pointed. It's a, during spring training, it's kind of a big cattle call. We're trying to decide where the rosters are set, where everyone's gonna play throughout the season. Um, and then the season goes and you're, you know, throughout the year, you're very much doing, doing the best you can to kind of move the needle in certain areas. Um, but Instructs is a, very unique time for us and for other teams um, because you have three weeks where you have, you're playing some games, you're practicing, your numbers are smaller and you really um, can really kind of attack individual things. So we kind of sit around, you know, throughout the whole year and especially leading into the September program and really kind of decide like, all right, in the case of Luis Almanzar, like what can we, what's most critical to him at 18 years old in, his, in terms of his development and what can we conceivably hope to like 
move forward on in the next three weeks. Um, so we basically have been down in Arizona since literally like a day or two after uh, full season teams ended. We had a couple teams competing in the postseason. Um, El Paso got knocked down in the first round. San Antonio made it to the Texas League Championships. Um, but most of Instructs, with the exception of about six or seven more older guys, are, are, are made up from our Fort Wayne, Tri-Cities, um, two AZL teams in the Dominican Summer League. So um, it's been a very successful program. This is a very unique event for us. This is the fourth year we've done it. It's something that we look forward to. It probably makes our program a little smaller and a little shorter than most of the other teams, but we place a big value on this experience for these guys and that they can finish their season, play on a field that we hope, you know, in a year, two years, three years, a lot of these guys are gonna be back here on a permanent basis. Always had is so you've got Instructional League and then you have Dominican Winter League, um, or I guess all the Caribbean um, winter league, winter ball starting, and then you have Arizona Fall League. How, like, how do you determine who's going where and how long they're playing? Because I know some players will only go for a few weeks or a month or whatever it is. How do you determine where guys are going and um, the, for the duration of how long they're going to be visiting these different leagues? Absolutely. It's just kind of a broader general off-season question, like how it works for most of our young players. Um, for me, this is since we've been going since February, and a lot of our kids have been in Arizona since then. Um, after tonight, it's probably it's basically the start of the off-season, but um, we're not done programming for these kids. Um, we will have a lot of our young Latin kids who either were not at Instructional League in the U.S. We'll, go, we'll start our Dominican Instructional League program, which is a six-week program that starts a week from now and runs up until Thanksgiving. Some of our youngest kids, we had, um, in this Arizona group, we had, the youngest kid we had was a kid we signed in July 2nd from the Dominican and Charlie Aquino, who's 16 years old. So he's the only um, part of this year's July 2nd signing class. He and about approximately 10 um, of the other young Latin kids, as well as a few American kids, will go to this Dominican Instructional League program. Um, a week from now, we have, the Arizona Fall League starts up where we have about seven prospects. You guys have probably seen it. Hudson Potts, Buddy Reed, Austin Allen are the position players. Um, and the Fall League, to Nikki's point in her question, the Fall League is uh, kind of shifting to starting to include a lot more Latin players. Um, we do have some other players throughout the system who will play in their native foreign, foreign winter ball league, which would be the Dominican uh, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, less so, Mexico as well. And lastly, as far as kind of filling this five-month period, basically between now and when spring training starts, um, we do a lot of off-season programming for our young players. We have strength camps in Peoria um, where we feel very confident about the kind of what we can provide to um, move these guys forward in their off-season so that the, when, they, when they come back, whether it's February 15th, March 15th, um, they're ready to go. So we'll have hopefully about 30 to 40 guys basically spending their whole summer, or excuse me, their whole winter in Peoria, getting bigger, stronger. Um, it's something that we do, it's pretty unique. Uh, we're very proud of it. If you look at some of the guys who had very strong seasons this year, um, Luis Patino is a name that comes to mind. He had um, an unbelievable off season last year. He came to us and said, um, you know, it's from Barranquilla, Colombia. He's like, There's, I don't have a ton of resources, a ton of good facilities to train at. He's like, and I spent my off-season in Peoria, and he basically spent from October through January in the in in Arizona, um, added probably 15 pounds, and then went off and had the season he had. Questions for Sam. Go ahead. So, 
the minor league payroll has been a big story this year. Um, what do the Padres do to ensure that the players are getting the nutrition, the training, and all that stuff that they need? Because you hear a lot of these kids living off of McDonald's and that kind of stuff. Since they're not paid in the offseason, they're not paid for like instructional leagues like this. I think the best way to probably answer that is, um, and I don't know if you guys talked about with Ron, is that there are more and more regulations about how you acquire players, kind of how players get added to your system via, whether it's the amateur draft, like limits on how much you can spend internationally as well. Um, player development, I think we are viewing very much as like a real opportunity, and I think everyone else is also, all 29 other clubs, it's like a real area in which you can, there aren't a ton of regulations, you can really um, provide as many resources to your players. So whether it's like off-season programming, like I was just talking about, whether it's, um, I don't think we're that different, but we subsidize a lot of their pre and post-game meals, um, and just really provide every possible resource kind of off-season visits, all myself and our coordinator staff will, um, for kids who will not come be with us during the off-season, I'll frequently take some visits and go check in on Mackenzie Gore in Whiteville, North Carolina in November and spend a couple days with them. Um, so we were... Do they do, they do mean, internationally as well? It, it's something that, um, I mean, I'm thinking back, uh, just even like last year, we sent you know one of our hitting instructors down to spend the off season, spend like three or four days in W Panama with Javi Guerra. So, to your question, it's um, you know it's it's a much bigger question as far as the salary compensation. But um, as the rules exist now, there's a lot of ways. If especially with where we're at organizationally, obviously we have a lot of we spend a lot of time and money investing in these kids, and we that process continues even after we've had the players. Now that we're, as Nikki said, developing them. Oh, the AA affiliate? Yeah. Oh, we are still working on that. Um, if you guys have followed that, basically what happened is um, the PDC with the Who will be the double A? Sorry, what does PDC mean? It's, so. Team, was the question. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it's no problem. Um, so of the eight minor league teams we have, five of them are outside of a complex league. They're not the ACL, they're not the Dominican Summer League. So every two or four years, we come to an agreement with a minor league operator to provide players and they provide everything else, um, like Elsinore, Fort Wayne, San Antonio. The San Antonio franchise, um, it's actually the Colorado Springs is a AAA franchise owned by the same club that owns San Antonio. They are moving the Colorado Springs team and it's going to become a AAA park in the Texas, or excuse me, in the PCL in San Antonio. San Antonio club is moving to Amarillo. Um, we should have an announcement shortly. Um, if you guys kind of follow kind of the musical chairs of the affiliates, we are going to end up in either Amarillo or there's one other market out there. And those reports are accurate. It's just we don't, honestly, we haven't, uh, we do not know exactly where our AA affiliate will be at this point. <laughs> given all the losses, given all the losses at the PCL, you guys go out of your way to keep our top pitching prospect kind of double edge and then skip right over. Um, it's not something we actively spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, the PCL, the International League, Triple A baseball, it's still probably the second best baseball league in the world outside of the big leagues. So um, there's definitely a benefit to kind of progressing through that level. So it's um, we don't really. It's not something we actively spend too much time worrying about. Two more questions for Sam. Yes.
It's an interesting question. It's probably more for Chris, if you guys have seen Chris, our international director, who also works for us on the minor league side. Um, but the, the system for acquiring players in Venezuela is very similar to the Dominican. These young kids basically decide that they're going to pursue a baseball path at 12, 13, 14 years old, work with third-party trainers. Um, and they have Venezuela, as you guys know, it's, who's alluding to, is a very tough place to travel, operate in, and live in right now. Um, the trainers have um, basically reacted very easily. They are a lot, they're taking a lot of their players to the Dominican to showcase them, or actually I was talking to one of our international scouts. Um, he was just in Colombia, actually watching a lot of the, the same players that he would see in Venezuela. So it's changed the scouting process. And almost to go back to the question earlier about the off-season programming, uh, whether it's um, sending more of those kids to the Dominican for the off-season or bringing more of them to Peoria in Arizona in the off-season, um, it's definitely something due to the difficult circumstances that we will have a lot of our young Venezuelan players um, kind of underneath our care this off-season. Uh, to add to that, Chris Kemp did a, a podcast last year, um, and that question, that exact question came up, and he just, I mean, pr pretty much exactly what he said, but it's also where you guys are in constant contact with them, and there's no, you know, no shortage of honesty and what's going on and what... Yeah, one additional thing, and we are going to do it this year, um, there is a winter league in Venezuela that's very good, it's very, it's a very strong league, but we sent um, one of our young players, you guys probably saw, Gabe Arias played in Australia this mm -hmm. last winter, and we are going to send um, two more, the plan would be to send two more of our young Venezuelan infielders, Kevin Melian and Justin Lopez, to Australia this year yes. as well. So it's another area where we can kind of um, take them and perhaps put them in a little better environment. One more. Um, can you let us know, like, what's the It's, it's a very similar thing. Some of these guys will spend the off-season here. Uh, it'll be a mix, probably, of a lot of them going home and kind of working with their own trainers. Um, a lot of them will spend the off-season here working out. Our beautiful field does turn into various other things throughout the year, um, as well as some of them will spend the off-season in, uh, in Peoria. I do know some of the guys who missed some time will play winter ball. Some of the guys who played here will play winter ball. I would expect Fran Mill to play. Francie Cordero is probably going to play, um, making up for some of the time he missed. Um, but it's very similar. It's it's probably the coaching staff here, it's some of us on the development side, a lot of the rest of the baseball operations group kind of putting their heads together, like what are the you know two or three goals for each player in the offseason so when they come back, they're in a better spot than when they leave. Huge thank you to Sam Ganey for joining us. It's a huge day for him and for him to take the team and it's out of his day. It's really big, so thank you so much. I know that... There's a, they're doing um, infield or BP on the field right now, so we stole them away from that. So thank you so much, Sam. Really, really appreciate it. And a huge thank you for joining us. It's your off day in a long season, so thank you for uh, for coming in and spending some time with us. So I'm not even going to go ahead and ask any questions myself. I'm going to um, pass it on to you guys. So questions for Jake. Just go ahead. Whoever's got them. <laughs> All right. More of a congratulations from your yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what? Totally different. Uh, yeah, Completely like, different. I mean, is it like, 
is the setting, like, does it ever get boring in the minor leagues that you see, like, spacing out on, like, a barn? Yeah, it, I mean, it gets pretty boring. Like, you know, you have a you have a Wednesday night game and there's like 13 people in the stands and you can hear a pin drop. It's There are times that, yeah, it does get kind of like, oh, man, this isn't very fun. But, I mean, the game is the same, but, yeah, the atmosphere is totally different. Welcome. We've been waiting for you. Thank you. And, Thank you. Um, so we have season tickets at the bullpen. So we've okay. watched you warm up, and that's like one of my favorite things. Um, I'm actually a bullpen babe on Twitter. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what I want to know is, like, your very first game when you pitched, how did you feel before, like, that first pitch you were throwing in that game? Were you nervous, or did you just feel like it was normal? And I think I blacked out. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think you didn't hit the play. Yeah, you know, I was just, I was just excited. I didn't throw it into the, like, into the boxes up there, into the press box. So, um, yeah, the fact that I actually got it to the catcher. It was kind of cool. That was really cool for us, yeah. too, yeah. Um, yeah. Did, you, did any of the major leaguers here kind of take you under their wing, either before you came up or right when you did? Um, guys like, you know, the veteran guys like uh, Clayton and, like, Craig Stammen and everyone, they're, they're, you know, they're really awesome about, like, you know, kind of teaching you how to, um, like, how to go about things. Like, obviously, things are a lot different here. Um, so they've been they've been good in like helping even like me, Lauer, and Joey all, you know, kind of figure things out. Everyone's everyone's been really cool about it. You know, no one's no one's been you know on my back about things, and they just kind of tell me, and you know, you got to figure it out. So. Well, first of all, congratulations on your promotion to the big leagues, man. Thank you. Thank you. Which, um, we have a rich farm system, as you know. Which um, prospect are you most excited about that might be a Padre in a year or two? Um, you know, we have a ton. Uh, you know, I, I think pitching-wise, like, I'm... Obviously, you guys know Chris Paddock puts up video game numbers. Video. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's incredible. Uh, Austin, yeah. Austin, Austin had a heck of a year. Um... You know, Logan Allen had a really great year. We had a lot, we have a lot of lot of talent. Um, so I, I can't pick one over the other, but I'd say those two for pitchers. I think Austin can do really good things. Um, who else? We, oh, Tatis, obviously. I mean, that guy's that guy's a human highlight reel. Uh, it's every game he's doing a couple of things that are just ridiculous. So he's definitely a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your. Um, yeah, definitely going to rest, and, um, you know, I'll be splitting my time between here, uh, might spend a little bit of time in Arizona, uh, training out there, and then, you know, just back home, uh, really just getting healthy, trying to take care of my legs so that I don't miss, uh, two months of the season again. So I haven't started any of that yet, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to try when I go out to Arizona, so... What was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I nobody wants to get surgery, and I have nothing structurally wrong. So, you know, kind of trying to figure out what's going on there. How different is Coach Falsley's approach to giving advice to everybody? Um, for the most part, like he doesn't. He he's very like you know, kind of hands off when when we first get up here. He kind of just lets us go about our business. But you know, now that I've been up here for. I don't know, a little over a month, like, we're actually starting to kind of work on things and, like, talk mechanics and, like, 
sequencing and stuff like that. So at the beginning, he's really just like, you know, he wants to get to know you more than anything. So now that he is getting comfortable around us and everything, like he's been working with Joey and Lauer quite a bit. And, you know, we're, him and I are finally starting to get familiar with each other and, you know, have a good line of communication. Um, I don't, I don't, I wasn't really nervous. I was, you know, I was, I was really focused. I, I wanted to, th I wanted to finish the complete game, you know, even after I, even after I gave up the homer, I, you know, I still had plenty left in the tank to finish it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to be out there again. And that's not the last time I'm going to be into the ninth. So. I think it's really important. Um, Mejia used to hit doubles off me all the time in the Midwest League, so <laughs> I didn't really like him before that. Um, but then, uh, you know, I, I only threw him one time in El Paso, so obviously him and I didn't, that was the first time him and I had ever actually met, really, other than I turn around, I see him on second base. Um, so <laughs> him and I are still trying to get a little bit more familiar with each other. And obviously there's lines of communication that are a little bit more difficult. He doesn't, he's, you know, his English isn't great. Um, so obviously that's stuff to kind of try to work through. But, you know, I think he does call a very good game. He's very smart back there. Um, and Austin Hedges, Austin's really good. Austin invests a ton of time and a ton of effort into making sure that the pitchers are successful. So. Um, or have they they have the best chance of success? I guess I should say. Um, so and even AJ Ellis, AJ, you know, is is a right. I think he's helping Austin to try to learn, you know, how to do those things as well. So yeah, it's, I think we're on a really good path. <laughs> I mean, that's no question. Austin has. <laughs> Petco. <laughs> Look at this place, it's beautiful. Aside from Petco. Last question about Stott. He's claiming he wants to throw 105. What does the clubhouse think about all the crazy stuff he does? It's pretty weird. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time, it works. He, you know, it works for a lot of guys, and he goes out there and he throws upper 90s every day. And you know, he bounces back really quick, so I think there's something to be said for that. As for 105, who knows? <laughs> I honestly, like, I don't, I don't really know if that's possible. I know Aroldis Chapman has done it, but, you know, yeah, Jordan Hicks, you know. There have been, what, two or three in history to do it. Um, I think it would be awesome if he could, and I think he's going to give it his all to do it, but realistically, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna buy into it this off season and see how it works. Maybe I'll maybe I'll throw 105. We'll see. From the little time that I'm in the clubhouse, he just sits at his at his locker, his chair in his locker, and he's connected and he's playing games. Like it's just yeah, and he'll he, he'll like put it on. He I've seen him put him on his head and stuff, and it, it kind of scares me. But I mean, gonna have to try. He's the most fun I've had the whole time. All right, one more for Jake. Um, intimidating. 
I don't, I don't know if I'd say intimidating, but the toughest out, I mean, Justin Turner's a tough out. He, he spoils a lot of good pitches, and he, his, like, bat-to-ball is, like, very, very good. Um, Votto, yeah, Votto took me hard. Um, that, that, one, that one stung a little bit. That one stung. I think that was a three-run homer. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's all, you know, if you don't throw his pitch, he's not swinging at it. And if you throw his pitch, he's going to hit it a long way. So he's, he's also a tough out. Uh, obviously, his OBP is like over 400. So he's doing something right. All right, let's give it up for Jacob next. So Sam Gini and then Jacob Nix. I was really interested by the things that Sam was talking about. Um, yeah, I liked how he was talking about how, how they come up with a plan for each player mm. and determine what they're going to do in the post the off season with each of those players. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's gotta be a different recipe for every player. And I'm sure some of the cultural stuff comes into it. Um, yeah. you're trying to send guys back to where they're near their near home or, or that kind of a thing. Uh, but I also found it interesting that he was saying that Patino asked requested to to go back to Arizona and spend the offseason there working out exercise and trying to get better yeah so if I'm a player development guy that tells me that this guy wants to you that those are the kinds of questions the kind of initiative you want these guys to show right and if you uh, and I think in his interview we'll hear a little bit later on him talking about I leave, leave tomorrow uh, I'll be at his uh, home for a few weeks and then it's coming back yes and if you see I follow him on Instagram um you know, you see a picture of him at home, and he's on the beach, and he's cut, he's chiseled. So, what Sam's talking about for his off season last year, it, it shows. Um, but also, I think it has a lot to do with just having the facilities, the the nutrition, um, and the access to, tr- to to trainers and coaches, and getting better. Like he's mm-hmm. going to be a major league pitcher, no doubt. That I really hope. <laughs> oh, I you know, I mean. Cross your fingers with the health and everything like that. But I mean, the guy's got the stuff. And as we'll see in a little bit, he's got the personality. And to yeah. me, he seemed, I mean, he's hes the kind of guy that i that it's easy to get excited about. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting that Sam, he, he, his answer to your question, which is a very, like I said before, a very hot topic question is like, how I can answer that is this. And he yeah. kind of answered it very political. And, and I understand he's not going to go, and, and tell us, you know, what the what the organization's idea is on that subject. Mm-hmm. But he's going to tell us what we what he can, the way he can, without really saying much, but yet still kind of answering his question. He's yeah. saying a lot, but not talking talking a lot, but not saying much. Yeah, and baseball is such a money making industry, right. and we don't see. I mean, they, they're not going to open their books to us. They're a private business; they don't yeah. need to. But we see what the major league, um, the major league payroll is, and Forbes gathers information to to figure out who makes the most revenue, and then there's this big gap in the middle. And last year it was easy to show, or the two years ago, whenever they spent all the money internationally, it was easy to say, oh well, here's obviously where they spent this eighty million dollars of signing all these guys and then the penalties that they got. But we don't see how much money the Padres put into their minor league. Um, the the facilities or yeah. the you know what additional things that they can provide for the kids that don't fall under the payroll and all the other stuff. 
Which um, is once again a very hot topic button, but it brings us kind of to our next topic. Um, real quick, J.J. Cooper from Baseball America reported that the AAA baseballs are going to be made to the same specifications or specifics, specifications. That's one of your words because uh-huh. you were into that kind of uh, industry uh, as Major League Baseballs. Yes. Which I didn't, I when I read that, I'm like, what, what the hell? I thought they would be made the same. Well, but they're not. All of the minor league baseballs are made in China, while the professional balls are made in a facility, I think, in Honduras or Panama or somewhere in Central America. Really? They're made in an entirely different facility, supposedly from the same materials, the same construction method. But I, I don't know if you've read into any of these studies to try to figure out what changed with the ball over the last few years. Right. And they've they've broken it down to minute changes in... Um, the thickness of the red stitching. Okay. The the so then that changes how tall the the stitches stand proud of the rest of the ball. Right. So then that's going to change how much the ball the stitches disrupt the air as they travel through. Exactly. How hard pitches are going to break. Um, it also affects things like blisters mm-hmm. that the pitchers get on their fingers. Um, the the slickness of the cover. The the density, the hardness of the, there's the pill, which is the little rubber yeah, little core, and then there's cork around that, and then there's the twine. There's twine around that, or no, I think I have no. It's a cork center, and then a rubber around it, and then different types of of textile. There's cotton and wool and something synthetic that are different layers. So the comp- the the construction of the baseball is complicated. Yeah. And so now if you go from one le- level to the next, and to you and me as casual fans, the ball feels the same. But they were doing these studies where they'd toss a guy a couple of balls and go, oh yeah, that's a minor league ball. Especially the pitchers, because they can really? feel how the, the stitches feel in their fingers, and it changes how the ball performs. So now if you've got a guy in, minor, in AAA, and they're going to go up to major leagues, Ideally, you you want to try to keep as many things consistent as you can. Right, 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 right. I get that the ballparks are different, that you've got wind and elevation and all this stuff, but at least if they're using the same ball, right. the then equipment's the, the, same. the pitchers are able to execute their pitches the same. The hitters are seeing the same types of pitches. So okay. then you're not in minor leagues. So say that in AAA, the ball tends to come out flat just because the stitches um, sit flatter to the ball, yeah. then they get used to sitting on fastballs, and if a breaking ball comes in, it's not that severe. And then they get up to the major leagues, and there's these sharp breaking pitches that it's not just the change in skill level, it's also the change in equipment that makes that it, it makes the, the step in skill level that much more severe. It befuddles me that that hasn't happened before. And well, uh, and on that, in the, in the article, so when a major league rehab is in a minor well, league ball. On the, on the ball, I, I think it's happened before, but I think it's just never been. I don't think we've ever had athletes that are this refined okay. that they can tell the difference. Because right. like, back in the day, they used to use a ball until it was covered. I mean, oh they would God. spit on it. They would use licorice to intentionally, and but they would use a ball until it was literally falling apart. Yeah. And then at some point, they started changing the balls out, and now they go through dozens of balls in a game. But and and the the ball has changed over the years. Yeah. So, but now you've got different manufacturing facilities making supposedly the same product, but they're slightly different. And the pictures and the analysis can show that it's different. Now you've got StatCast, you've got the StatCast radar. Right. Or is Spin rate. You've got in every, every minor league ball club. Yeah. 
And there's all this data that we don't have access to, but the major league teams do. Right. And so now if you've got Rich Hill who throws his crazy curveball and then he goes on a rehab assignment up to Rancho Cucamonga and you see that the spin rate's the same, but the break changes. Yeah. What do you do to explain that? Yeah. And it's got to be the ball. So now if he goes on a rehab assignment and he performs one way and then he comes back up and he performs a different way, now he can't throw strikes because his break, his curveball, now instead of having eight inches of vertical drop, it's got 14 inches of vertical drop. I mean, how do you how do you calibrate that? Yeah. Well, and in this article, you know, when a major league rehabs, he can ask for a major league baseball. Yes. But I, the viewpoint yeah. is that the minor league balls don't carry as far as the major league balls. Well, hey, just to kind of, God, really want to expand on this. Why are they made a in, in another country? Is it for the integrity it's, it's, of the baseball? It's pure cost. It must be pure cost. And I hate to beat the drum of USA, USA here, but come on. Why is that not made? Why isn't Rawlings making that baseball in America? That's I, made in America. You know, you know, the Mizuno, except for a couple other bad companies that are outside of America. Most of the other equipment is made here in America. Why is it the most fundamental, our, our, our hockey pucks, our basketballs, our footballs made in other, other, you know, other parts of the world? Um, money and, talks. God, Money know? talks. But it, it, ah, just so much to talk about. And then to go back to the, the disparity in paying minor league players, I think it was uh, Emily Walden that, that tweeted, um, if, every, if every organization, like, ponied up the money for a decent, the, the price tag of a decent, bullpen guy which is like six to nine million dollars and three to six million dollars mm-hmm. would pay for like a living wage for every minor leaguer in their system yeah and and then it was equated to that and why that they're investments so why are you treating your investment so poorly um when i know there's so little there's so much uh turnover and guys you know, guys quitting, guys not making it, guys flaming out. I mean, so many people flame out mm-hmm. that it's hard to do that. But still, you want to give those people that you have invested money and time in the best opportunity to become the most they can be. You and, would think so. Right. It makes too much sense. It makes way too much sense. But I digress. So also with that, um, the baseballs are going to be costing more. You know, minor league baseballs are, what, $50 a dozen? Where Major League Baseballs are $100 a dozen. There's your answer right there on why the Minor League Balls are made in China instead of Dominic or Honduras or wherever they're, they're made. And that'll bring us into our next, uh, our next segment here real quick, and then we'll go into another interview. Um, Gary Farley of the Dallas Morning News tweeted an article on affiliate moves, but also what he, um, he talked about was looking at what the Major League team pays for and the Minor League team it's pays Coast, for. It's Costa Rica, by the way, for those out there who are attention snobs and wow Costa wow. Rica nice um so maybe maybe we can take a uh, maybe we can write off a trip to Costa Rica to go visit the facility we're, we're going to do a research mission yeah and take a vacation to Costa Rica okay we can do that and then like tour the facility yeah and Ooh. then write the whole thing off when we get back I, my work won't let me write do, do we have to actually drive an income to be able to do that <laughs> no we don't but to write it off we would have to um, probably incorporate our podcast and maybe. Um, oh, we can record a podcast while we're down there. That's yeah, record. We, we have yeah. to incorporate. <laughs> yeah. we, we have to become a corporation. Oh, okay. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's how that works. I, I'm not sure, but um, 
Okay, so a look at what major league teams pay for with their minor league affiliates. Salaries, benefits, and employment taxes for manager, coaches, players, and other personnel. So the major league team pays for that. Yes. Travel expenses for personnel reassigned or traded upon reporting to the club and at the end of the season. All spring training expenses, including hotel and food expenses, from the date of reporting until the day before the first season regular season game. Okay, but that doesn't cover off-season. No, this is in-season. That's from you report spring training, you're invited to major league camp, or you, you're minor league camp, they pay for everything. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure there are blocks of apartment buildings in, in various parts of the greater Phoenix area mm-hmm. and in all of Florida that have nothing but ballplayers in them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the one of the things that I think about uh, when we choose to move to a small minor league city. And Arizona is on on the short list. It's a little hot, but there's a lot of minor league talent there. Do they have them stay with host families, or do they live in these blocks of apartments uh, stacked five or six to 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 a place? Mm-hmm. Um, also, medical supplies purchased by the athletic trainer also paid for the major league club. Okay. Now this is what the minor league club uh, club pays for. A home playing facility, clubhouse, and their upkeep, uniforms, practice baseball, championship rings, which fine, but I mean, it's like as if every team goes to the championships. Okay, so the home playing facility, clubhouse, and their upkeep. So that would include a workout gym, yep. if that was in there. Yep. Um, you know, like uh, video rooms or anything like that. Yep. Okay. Clubhouse, okay. their attendance. Um, you know, Sam Lewis, like our, our, the clubby in, in Fort, um, Fort Wayne, Sam mm-hmm. Lewis, his salary, all their salary, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's really, that's, that's interesting. Looking on with the minor league team, uh, sorry, look at the expenses that the major minor league team split are bats and baseballs, uh, regular season meal allowances, travel expenses with the minor league team paying for the cost of 30 staff and players. Hotel expenses with minor league teams pay for 17 rooms. So 30 staffers and players. The Padres, they added an additional coach. It was either this year or last to each team. So I wonder if they're paying for 31 instead of 30. Because this is like what the typical team does. Right, that's typical team. Right, you remember, you remember hearing about that, right? That they added an additional coach. Is it the additional coach a translator? I know the major league teams have to have a translator. That's mandated. Is that mandated at every level? I don't think so, but I think every level, um, I mean, Burt Hooten, and once again, we'll go back to Fort Wayne, uh, uh, Burt Hooten speaks fluent Spanish. Well, yeah. And we have Pete Zamora, who I think speaks fluent Spanish in the Padres system. Yeah, and, and like Eddie Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got bilingual employees, but you're talking about a specific translator. Yeah. That, that's their job, is to yeah. be a translator. So I know the Padres do. Because we see him on the post-game prod- broadcast when yeah. they interview Christian Villanueva or some of these yeah. guys. Um, but I don't think they have that at the minor league team. I think they just rely on hiring members of the coaching staff that are bilingual. But I know that they the Padres added additional people to try to increase the amount of coaching that these kids are getting during the season. Hmm. Interesting. I, I didn't hear anything about that. So our next interview is going to be with Mackenzie Gore. Now, some of the questions... Like I I put I put my phone right up next to the speaker, um, which you get the excellent answers. It sounds good, but you know there could be a question, and there's questions from across the room that you really have to strain to listen to. So if you want to hear the question, 
turn up your radio for a second and then turn it back down because the answers are going to come at you pretty fast and mm-hmm. as you can tell pretty loud so but you can figure everything out by context i don't know if yeah. you need to you know strain to hear yeah. the question because his answers are fairly interesting um i th- i think that mckenzie and then also uh ryan weathers who's following him th- they're both you know, assuming they make it up to the big leagues they already kind of have the how to answer a question without answering answer a question, question. <laughs> very thing down you. yeah because they they both kind of you know they give you an answer but they don't really give you any any super insight right and i don't mean to knock either of them but neither of them showed a whole lot of personality i, I think it's an unfamiliar no. situation where jacob nix you can tell that he knows how to hold how to command yeah. a crowd yeah that he could he was self-deprecating humor and kind of a little bit of you know giving a little more insight into the questions and i think that's just who he is where Mackenzie gore and ryan weathers they're just they're kind of shy they're jocks, you know. There's just I just go out there and play baseball, man. I, you know, yeah, and well, you just try to do the well the best I can. Put it behind me, move on. Tomorrow's another day. Uh, there was a lot of that out of both of those guys, yeah. which is fine. I mean, they're 18 years old. And I think that's a lot of what I mean. Nick has been around for a while. He's been all all three levels, all four levels, and has a little more experience. And now as a major leaguer. Like he can be oh, self-deprecating, but I can tell you, Jacob Nix was that same way last year. Oh, was he? Okay. he was at the pros- the um, social summit last year, okay. and it was the same kind of thing. In fact, when he sat down, they handed him the microphone. He's like, "Do I even need this?" And he put it down on the table, and it was just just talking with all of us. Okay, and he was very comfortable in front of a crowd. Where, especially with Ryan Weathers, because that was the first time he'd done it, you could definitely see the 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 wide-eyed, like, "Okay, what do I do? I'm in a room with." 30, 40 strangers here, and they're all going to ask me a bunch of questions. I don't know what's coming. Right. And, I, well, and with, with Weathers, McKenzie did a lot better because we're more familiar with them. There's some history there. There's some stuff to talk about. I kind of pressed for the injury, mm-hmm. uh, and I got the organizational answer. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to hear him talk that deep southern accent. <laughs> um, but with Ryan, like even the, even the crowd were like, we were... Didn't have a lot to say, and Nicky's like, "Okay, you guys, this is his first one. You could ask a question." We're like, "Well, I don't, we don't know if we talk about his Twitter or do we talk about we don't know much about it." Well, yeah, I mean, we follow him. We follow Padres prospects closely. On yeah. draft day, we were reading profiles and all this. I don't know a whole lot about the guy. Yeah, and I yeah. know that his dad was a major leaguer, and I know that he was a really good pitcher in high school. But outside of that, I. How do you strike up a conversation with a kid like? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So that's what's coming up here right now. Uh, we'll be right back. Pipeline and the number 11 overall in all of baseball. So let's welcome in Padres top pitching prospect, Mackenzie Gore. Um, so it's not, I don't think it's a surprise, but she, he won't be pitching in tonight's game. So um, <laughs> considering he's here with us right now. So just like Mackenzie, or just like Jacob, we're going to open it up for questions. Can we see your hand? <laughs> um, there's not as much to look at right now, but uh, I do not have pictures with me that I can show. But I, if you want to look at it, you can come take a peek. <laughs> What has been your relationship with Luis Patino? I've read some that you guys are really working together on different pitches, him on his curveball, yeah. you on your changeup. He was trying to help me out with everything. <laughs> but, no, nah, Patino's a great kid. Um, he's younger. He's 18 from Columbia. 
Uh, he works really hard. You know, I played with him in the AZL last year, and we had a good relationship there. And you know, he just, you know, we're, we're together a lot. We have a really good relationship and kind of hold each other accountable on the field and, you know, how what we do, working hard. And he's a really good kid, and he's he had a really good year. So uh, he's going to be really good. I can't. I can't do it in these pants. Sure. Be honest with you. I really don't know why. You know, the leg kick started is something I've been doing since I was about that high. So, uh, but it's just something I kept doing. It's, it's worked for me so far, and, and people seem to like it too. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we've talked, but we haven't really had that conversation yet. So we'll have to save that one for another day. You should go out to a statue and compare. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I grew up in a small town in North Carolina. Um, I didn't really get into baseball until I was probably around nine years old. Um, and in the town I live in, baseball is it's the big thing. Uh, so all my friends played baseball, and so I just kind of gave it a shot and kind of got hooked on it. Um, growing up, I didn't really have a big league team I really watched. You know, I went to a Braves game or two because they were kind of close. But um, we kind the high school team was kind of like the big league team in the small town. So. You know, I was out there a lot and looked up to a lot of those guys. When did you know you were going to sign out of high school instead of going to college? When I got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> but, but. You might have made up at that time you were going to sign. No, so I was all in on college until my name got called, so. You were pretty sure you were going to top five or so, right? I had no idea. <laughs> And following up on that, you're you're close with you're very close with the um, East Carolina University baseball. You live? Did you actually? Live with? Yeah, I actually live with you know the head coach in the off season. So you were set on going. I mean, yeah, you're going. To I was all in. ECU, so, you yep. were gone. All right. You you can choose them. <laughs> Um, yeah, going into 2019, my goal is to be healthy now. Um, with the finger thing, it was kind of a frustrating year. The results, you know, they were not, they were not very good, to be honest with you. And 2019, I want to have a healthy, you know, full season. And, but I want to go out there and put up good results too. So, and I feel like if I do that, you know, whatever happens after that will take care of itself. Um, it's a huge difference. Um, you know, in high school, you go to school during the day. You know, professional baseball, this is your job. Your job is to go out there, and it's baseball. Everything's baseball, and I have to, I've had to learn how to, um, you know, prepare for a game that's six days away, and that's, that's my only game of the week, pretty much. Um, so that's, that's a big step for me, and, 
but it's been been good. It's been a lot of fun so far. That's a tough one. Oh, maybe your top three. We can go top three. Okay. I mean, obviously, you know, you got the you got the trout. Trout's really good. Um, um, I'd probably like to throw against. I'd like to throw against the Dodgers. Um, uh, <laughs> Whole lineup. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and then we, we can go Harper and be the third one. So we can go Trout, the Dodgers, and then Harper. <laughs> yeah, I will. Question is what he's going to do this offseason. Testing. I'm gonna do the same thing I did last offseason. I'm gonna be at East Carolina, working out there, and back at home in North Carolina. So. How do you like San Diego? It's a town. It's great. What's your favorite Mexican food place? I can't answer that question right now. Oh, someone take the mic. <laughs> so a more serious question that I have, um, and I don't know if. Uh, if anyone read Dennis Lynn's article from earlier this season, um, but it kind of touched on how um, you've had issues with the blister, but then it's like, it kind of it let the article led to um, whenever you're kind of um, going through a hardship, you think about your sister yeah. um, and what she deals with every day yeah. um, and how you look to her for inspiration. Can you just touch a little bit about um, um, that? Yeah, so my older sister is 25. Her name is Meredith Gore. She was born with a mild case of cerebral palsy, um, so she's been on a wheelchair her whole life. But, you know, she graduated college with a master's. She drives, she has a job, and uh, just the way she goes about everything, and she's never let that phase her, and she never made an excuse. Um, and, you know, when I was going through my little blister struggles during the year, I was like, well, you know, if she can get through what she's done so far at 25, and this, this is just a little hiccup, so. She, she means a lot to me, and I really look up to her. And uh, she loves baseball, so y'all might get to see her around here one day. Speak, speaking of health, Mackenzie, can you speak on what caused the blisters? Was it pitch grip? Was it throwing a lot? Was it? I wish I knew what caused it. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, you know, we've done a lot of a lot of research and a lot of work this year, and uh, hopefully we've got a you know a good handle on things and good way to manage it for next year, and hopefully it won't be a problem from here on out. So, what was the last injury? Mike Nutter had said he saw your fingernail and it was black and blue. Did you... Yeah, so basically that's that's exactly right. The fingernail was pretty much pulled off, getting pulled off my skin um, when I was throwing, and much better now because I haven't thrown since I think it's August 20th, so it's been a while. Oh yeah. Here, how about let me do that when this is over, okay? I got you. Do you know where you kind of starting next year? Is it Lake Elsinore or Fort Wayne? Wherever they tell me to go. Which baseball player do you look up to? Oh, 
I'm gonna say I'm Madison Bumgarner. You know, he's from North Carolina, uh, country boy, and so. Yeah, that's. I didn't say Kershaw for a reason. <laughs> What's been Burt Booten's uh, influence on you this year? Burt's great. You know, he played for a long time and got a lot, a lot of knowledge for the game. And you know, he, we got to work together a lot, but it was cut short because about half the year I was you know, on the shelf, not doing anything. So, but he helped a lot and he helped me get through the hard times. And was it mechanics approach? No, preparation? Uh, more preparation. You know what to do in between starts, and know when you need to do this or when you need to do that. So, um, so for those who don't know who Bert Hooten is, he um, is pitching coach in um, Fort Wayne, right? Yep. And he there's an apartment complex that that exists just beyond Parkway or Parkview Field um, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he and his wife live in that apartment complex, and he just literally walks to the to the ballpark and back every single day. And f another funny, funny, actually, it's a funny story about him is that we were in spring training, and there's a, a drill that y'all do where you throw with a towel. Oh yeah. To, like, and he goes, "I never seen pitcher throw with the towel, so I don't know what they're doing over there." Which yeah. <laughs> is hilarious. So let's thank Mackenzie Orr for stopping by today. Really. Selected Ryan Weathers. He's 18 years old at the seven overall pick in this year's draft. The son of former MLB veteran uh, David Weathers. Weathers struck out 18 batters in 18 and a third innings. Started in the Arizona Rookie League, finishing his season in Class A Fort Wayne. MLB Pipeline ranks Weathers as the organization number nine prospect, 99 in all of baseball. Let's welcome in <laughs> Ryan Weathers. So is this this is kind of your first really one-on-one -on -one with fans, right? So this is pretty special. So after signing what four months ago, this is uh, he's obviously been in the system and working and working. And so basically, this is going to be his first kind of one-on-one with fans. So surely you have questions for him. So let's hear him. Yeah, Roy. So in high school, you put up like video game numbers, and then you come to Arizona and you struggle. Uh, you know, the professional hitters are a little better than high school hitters. So uh, at first, you know, it was just learning how to hit spots and everything, getting used to that. But, uh, you know, dad taught me, you know, just work through adversity and things will work out. So just push through that and things will end up falling in place. We haven't had any questions from the back. You guys good? A little shy back there? Okay. Uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you know, walking to the field some days and King Griffey Jr. sitting in the locker, you know, next to Dad, you know, that's something not every kid gets to say they got to do. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for Dad taking me every day. You know, he didn't have to do that every day. And, you know, he's a selfless person. Him taking me every day, teaching me the ins and outs in baseball is ultimately why I'm here today. Uh, most of the time while I was able to remember, he was at the Mets for three years and then the Reds for four years. And then that last year, he kind of transitioned to Milwaukee, but we moved with him wherever he went. Oh, probably all the competition is going to be there, you know. This year I didn't get to see everybody, but the Quantrills, the Baez that's here, Morhone, 
and I got to I've got to be with McKenzie a little bit. You know, just the competition and every day having to go hard every day and earning a spot. You know, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Oh, oh, most definitely. Uh, you know, this is a great organization, and they've got a lot of talent in this organization, and nothing's given in this organization. You're having to work for everything you get. Okay, it took you a long time to sign with the Padres. What was going through? I know it was tough for you, but, but kind of, how did you finally make that decision to go to the school or sign? Um, you know, the, it was a tough decision, you know, going away from Coach Corbin at Vanderbilt. You know, he's a one-of-a-kind person. And, um, you know, things weren't working out at first with all the terms and everything. And then we all we just came to an agreement and everything worked out. Can you talk about, um, we obviously saw some video, but when you were drafted, it seemed like a big party of all your family and friends. Can you just talk a little bit about the emotion that went through when you heard your name called um, so high in the draft? Uh, yeah, the draft day, you know, I had a pretty good idea of the Padres. You know, they had scouted me a lot. And uh, when I heard my name get called out, you know, the first thing I did was I grabbed mom and gave her a hug. And, you know, I was, I was having to put my head in her shoulder trying to hold back tears because finally my dream being able to play professional baseball is coming true and getting started. So it was, it was a bittersweet day having to leave home, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, not yet. Um, you know, I was raised in old school baseball, and I'm going to try to keep that per mentality the whole time. And uh, I just can't wait. Uh, so right now I throw a four seam, two seam, uh, change up and curveball. I'm th thinking about adding a slider this offseason for my arm slot. You know, I think that would fit me better and be more of a finishing pitch. Sometimes they see the curveball out of my hand because I've only been throwing it for about a year and a half right now. So just see where that goes. Um, do you read like, the Twitter comments and like, on the comments like, on social media in you know, general, like people uh, not being very friendly towards you? Did you, did you ever like, talk back at that time? Uh, no. At the end of the day, you know, that's not going to change my viewpoint of wanting to get to my ultimate goal. And, uh, you know, they're not going to be complaining. And when I get here to San Diego and one day hopefully win them a World Series, and yeah, they're going yeah. to be crazy. Yeah. Could you talk about what you can do more in the off season with conditioning and strengthening and kind of letting uh, building up arm strength? Uh, so this off season, I'm gonna start out. I'm gonna go home for about a month or so, and then they're gonna come in and check on me at about the end of October, again in November, and see where I'm at. And from there, they might send me to Arizona, back to the complex for a couple weeks, two days, or not send me there at all. Uh, I'm just gonna let Dad teach me what he did to get through a season, and which is gonna be a lot of conditioning probably. 
and uh, just start from there, you know, first off season, just see where I'm at when spring training comes around. A little follow-up. And, and your father talked about just allowing you to figure things out on your own, on the field. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about how he just kind of lets you learn at your own rate without having him interfere too much in your uh, career? Uh, you know, it, it taught me things that he couldn't teach me. There's situations thrown at you that can't be taught. And uh, I remember when I was 11 years old, if it was bases loaded, nobody out, he put me in there and let me figure out how to get out of it. And, you know, there's, there's times now that I've gotten that situation and I've been there before and I know how to get through it. And sometimes it's not always going to work out, but that's why there's always another start coming up. Uh, played basketball. State championship. Probably is a pretty good basketball player. Uh, I haven't seen his game yet. I'll probably have to around <laughs> Surely you'll see it in spring training. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. There you go. Uh, I haven't played ping pong in a while. But I used to hit, so I got a little hand eye coordination, so we'll see how that goes. We, we, played, we, played a little bit, we played a little bit in Fort Wayne, but. I took a lot of time off the ping pong table and I got whipped a couple of times there. Oh. <laughs> this is the first year that cameras were allowed in. That tells you how competitive <laughs> this, this event, the finals is. But there's the, you know, the bracket and uh, it's very, very well. Luis Torrens is a very, very good ping pong player, randomly enough. What? He did, but Louis, basically Andy paid his way to the final, so. <laughs> A little bit of cheat there, but I guess the manager can do that. Uh, any other questions for Ryan? This is first, you know, like one-on-one -on -one with fans, and we're back. Oh, we're back over here. Well, we'll come over to you. Any memories from like your dad's bring you back to like, where you like back to like you teach in the major leagues? Like any special memories? Um, the only memory I have is probably not a good one, but it was. He was playing the Cardinals and they were in Cincinnati and Albert Pujols was hitting. That's when Albert was killing the ball. And it was bases loaded, two outs, and he threw a first pitch fastball right down the middle. And I was about seven years old when this happened. And he had a grand slam and put him ahead. And he walked into the, because I always played in the batting cage with all the other kids that were there. You know, Dusty Baker's kid was there all the time. So we were all good friends. We were playing pickle in the we were playing in the batting cages, and, I, and Dad walks in. I said, "Why'd you throw him that pitch?" Oh. <laughs> and he told me, he said, "Well, one day when you get here, and you, I can ask you the same thing." So. Oh well, I'll just ask Dad what not to throw. <laughs> All right, let's give it up for Ryan Weathers and thank him for joining us today. And we're back. Yeah, that was uh, pretty sweet. I, I I just love the draw. I, I just, you know, that deep draw. Both just, of those guys. God, yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot that Weathers was from Tennessee. He tweets a lot of Tennessee yeah. stuff as well. And the tweets that he sends out, yeah, I wonder if he's got some homesickness. You know, this is like the first time being away from home. We forget about that. That you know, we think right. about these guys are, you know, they're gonna be professional ball players. They're yeah. living out a dream. They're kids yeah. and some of them are away from home from the for the first, first time, time and that's a big adjustment. Yeah. And we want them to be, you know, and it's funny. I think some of the partners Twitter kind of bust them on it for it because they're sweet. They're sensitive. Like I miss home. 
the people that you have around you. Um, I love what the guy, you know, one of the guys said, like, I just keep being yourself. And I like that he's homesick. I like mm-hmm. that he loves his family. I love that he's away from his family, learning how to pitch in the, you know, in at the complex or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Mackenzie's just going to be Mackenzie. I, the first time I would sit in a room with him, he's a, He's gonna be a boy. He that boy's gonna be a stud. Yeah, I really think he's gonna he's gonna be a stud. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on, uh, real quick, the MLB Pipeline's Jonathan Mail wrote about the top uh, the twenty prospects that boosted their stock uh, in twenty eighteen, and several Padres prospects were on the list. Um, number one is Chris Paddock. He's Padres number five overall and number forty eight on the M- uh, MILB Pipeline. But we know the numbers. God, you know, twelve to to nine, ridiculous ERA. Sorry, twelve strikeouts per nine innings. Thank you, sir. And zero point eight walks. So here, one hundred twenty strikeouts and eight walks. Uh, I'm not sure how many innings, but I mean, it's just ridiculous. I think in ninety innings. That's oh, that's in a hundred innings. Yeah. And you know, well, in, in last next day, just video game numbers. So he's on the radar. Um, also, he's on the top of uh, the MLB Pipeline's top 100, who from the, that list is on number 47 to number 35. So I'm sorry, gang, but this were tweeted out like the Jonathan Mayo came out a long time ago, and then MLB Pipeline revised their top 100 list. Okay, there we go. And then Chris Paddock went up even higher. So he jumped up 12 spots. Yeah. Uh, unranked at the start of the 2018 season, Paddock put Tommy John surgery that cost him all of 2017 behind him and reached Double A, posting astounding 120 to 8K9 ratio over 90, 90 innings. Um, also, Logan Allen, the Padres number eight and number 48 MLB pipeline, uh, he definitely put himself more on the national pr- uh, prospect radar. He was unranked to number 85 overall thanks to a year that saw his post incredible numbers. 2.54 ERA, a 205 batting average, a 9.1 K to 9 uh, strikeout rate in, in double A AA and triple A at the age of 21. We keep forgetting Logan, he's 21. Yeah. You know, I think that's often forgot how young he is. Yeah, and drafted out of high went. school and then traded, you know, traded at such a young age. He's already been in the Padres organization in a couple years, and it would not surprise me to see him. Up with the big league team by the end of the next I, year. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the first call up. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to our favorite, who we're going to listen to here in just a minute, uh, Luis Patino. Uh, he's a Padres number twelve, unranked the start of the year. He just came on the scene and blew everyone away. Mm-hmm. Everyone away. Eighteen uh, year old went to full season ball in May and dominated there. Two point one six ERA, a two twenty batting average, ten point six K to nine. Uh, to put a big arrow right up next to his name, showing even more dominance in the second half. In the second half, when someone that young is, you know, pitching in full season for the first time and does better. Um, 1.74 ERA, a 202 uh, opponent's batting average, 11.1 K to 9, and 11 starts. Um, he's up to number 83. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And I guarantee you, mid-season next year, if he continues on this trajectory, which he'll be in Lake Elsinore, we'll talk to him mm-hmm. up at Lake Elsinore next year. Yeah, uh, the things that are, if anything, is holding him back, it's a lack of track record. Yeah. And maybe yeah. some questions about durability because he, yeah. he's grown so much. He's yeah. put on weight. He's put on mass. So there's questions about you know, when, when people do that, 
there's the thought of, well, now you're putting added strain on ligaments and joints and all of this, but that'll shake itself out. Yeah. You, he, it seems like he did it the right way. He put on all that extra mass under the guy, under the, the watchful eye of the Padres trainers, yeah. as Sam Gini was just telling us. All last year, he was down there working hard to get big, and boy, did he. So that's the next interview that we've got queued up here. Uh, that was the final interview of our uh, of our experience at the social summit. We have Ryan Weathers in there too. Oh, we just we just had Ryan Weathers. Yeah, we did. Yes, we did. You're yeah, right. and, and now Sorry. we're now we're moving on to Patino. I know it's been a long day. It's been a long day. We have a ton of content, and just once again, go into like we have. I have still five more pages of stuff we can talk about. Oh yeah. So there's gonna be plenty to talk about. We're playing catch up. Uh, we're playing catch up here. <laughs> um, here's Luis Patino. My He's my swoon. Oh man, I let's go ahead and cut to the clip, and then we can uh, we we can wax po- poetic about him. Definitely. Patino went 6-3 with a 2.16 the area in Fort Wayne, striking out 98 batters in 83 and one-third innings. Let's welcome in Luis Patino. Um, so before we kick it off with questions, um, I was in a group with Preller and he was doing a Q&A and basically he was asking, or someone asked him, like, which like prospect that is currently not really on anyone's radar is, you know, like, what, what person or prospect is currently on um, anyone's radar would you, would do you, is on your radar very high? And he mentioned Luis Patino. So, for, and then I'm sure you guys saw he started throwing 100 and whatever, so um, he, he did really well. So um, let's welcome Luis and let's kick it off with questions. He wants me to translate, but he did an interview with this morning in English, so. Uh, I guess that's, an, I, <laughs> that's a lot. So. Luis, can you talk about the, you know, growing up in a small town in Columbia, coming here to America, and that transition, the culture shock of food, language. You're playing in a mid, you know, you're playing professional sports. Uh, can you really talk on that transition that you went through? Hi. Hi, Luis. Uh, uh, it's a different culture, different languages, different everything when I come in here to the USA. Uh, because in Colombia, my, the food is different a lot. But sometimes you need you need change some something for for this because I come in USA. USA is uh, with the MOB, so I need to learn this culture. Uh, the language is the most difficult for me when I talk more because I started seven years in Colombia, English, but I go to the class only for, you know, for, for goal, you know, for learn. But when I come in here, it's all with my teammates and the staff, coaches, for learn, for try speak, try talk with the other people now. I think it's good, I don't know, it's, it's good or bad, but you know, I'm trying. Uh, that's difficult for me, for the old Latin guy, when you come in here, change the culture, and, and the food and the, and the language, but we try. I'm trying for learn every every single day something. Um, that's it. Uh, it's not a lot different, but when I come here in USA, the food is uh, 
difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, in Colombia, I eat a lot of rice, but chicken and beef or a lot of. But when it comes here, only the fat food. So yeah. I, I didn't change that. But now, sometimes cook and cook for the Colombian food. But it's okay. Uh, I think that give the the culture. Yeah, I need to learn more about the USA culture. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. When, when did you start doing the leg kick and who taught, where did you learn that? Everybody say I start here when I see my kids. My best friend here is Matt Gore, yeah. American guys. So he was just here. <laughs> some, people, some people say I do this for Matt, but no, that, that's not true. Uh, I told with Gore for my work, my delivery in Corporal, but I do this because I feel good when I do it, uh, but not for the same for Mac. So I start this in the middle of the season. Of this year? Yeah, this year, middle of the season for uh, July, July, August. But I do this because I like the, the high leg is good for me. I think uh, I have a better balance mm -hmm. in my delivery. I think this is my new, my, my older sleep because you know I change my delivery uh, during the game sometimes it's slow sometimes it's quick is that uh, I start this this season and working more in my delivery in the high lane for next year do best that's this year what's your goal by the end of next year that will be <laughs> <laughs> Interview earlier, he said, "If see, can you say it again?" That yeah, this morning is I have an interview. I come in here in the spa, the this stadium two times. Last year is my first time. This year the second time. I say in the interview, my third time coming here is my debut. I don't wanna go come back here for interest, you know, for my debut in the MLB. I wanna is the next year. I'm working and prepare for this for. It. Maybe the, the next year have opportunity for the boot. Do the best, he, do the best for Padres. I win the championship or something with the player. That's a good. That's good. What's your plan for the off season before spring training? Uh, my plan this year is the same for last year. Padres give me the opportunity for go to Arizona for the away program. Uh, nine weeks. I go home now for one month. I work in my home, but come back to October 28 to Arizona to the complex. For one in my body, I start the throw because I'm not thrown out. So I start throw, working my body, working my all stuff, my delivery. For prepare for next year, that's it. Now it's my goal is prepare because the next year I have an opportunity to go to high A or low A. Do the best this year, we have a good you. We want to see you in Lake Alice tomorrow night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you miss home? Hello. Family cooking. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you go home? Um, no, I go home the when the season is over in Fort Wayne. I go home for three days. Three days, five for one hours. 
eight or three days, so one hour. Yeah. So I spend time with my family, my girlfriend, my friends. That, but I miss home when I'm coming here for. I, uh, after I go home, before I go home, I have a nine month here in USA. You now see my family because my family don't have the opportunity to come here. But they know this is my dream. I working. Uh, they support me every single day. Told me about a hey, unique work. When you have a show, take home with you. So yeah. I work a lot. When I hope go home, spend time, and that's it. I miss home now. I miss home. I have the opportunity to go home tomorrow, so <laughs> I'm excited about that. Seen with Padres, uh, July 2, 2016. I pressed shortstop three weeks before seeing a Padres. I have a trial with Padres pitch pitcher. A Padres told me to say, "You're a good pitcher. Why you not take this position?" I changed my mentality for the position player and pitcher in three months because I pressed shortstop. Uh, when a Padres told me that. Give me opportunity to help about pitcher. No, I see we do pitcher, so I take this opportunity and then you now me I like I like the pitcher. It's my my favorite position now and and enjoy enjoy this position. I working for go with this position to little bit. Do you miss hitting though? What? Do you miss hitting? Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah now and. I remember the four win uh, hit uh, two years. I know him two years, but in four win, have the BP pitcher. I do a home. I said, "Wow!" I remember that. <laughs> so now in intros, I'm practicing bounce uh, hit a little bit, or maybe next year go to double A or something. I prepare for hit. So working this in my home now. I'm here because I, I miss you too here. Your leg kick is, you have a high leg kick, so when I've seen you on, with runners on base, you sometimes switch it up to a, to a short stride, and then you also keep your leg up high. Have they talked to you about maybe changing the high leg kick with runners on base? No, I, I only do the high legs when I stay in front, not when I have normal bases. On a normal basis, I do the light stay or quick stay, but no high leg when I do the front on bases because, you know, I'm... I'm not lefty because the lefty for Mike, sample Mac. Mike can do high leg because lefty he look the runner, but me know I'm right and right. And when I do run on bases, that quiz or light step. Hey, sorry. Go well, ahead. well, if you guys don't know, I, I follow you on Instagram, and every time I see you in the dugout, you're having fun, cheerleading the guys, and just. Farting around, if you guys don't know, he's an incredible soccer player. Great dancer. He was dancing in the bus yesterday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about just kind of being, uh, keeping it light and having fun and playing baseball? It's a kid's game. Yeah, you know, I enjoy this because I love baseball. It's my passion, you know? So when I know pitch and the dog out for support my teammate with handshake or dancing or something, but I always enjoy and happy always because... The baseball is my life, so I enjoy this and always I smile and happy. You have a That's beautiful me. smile. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
All right, we're gonna we're getting close to game time, so we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you so much, Luis Patino. Muchas gracias. For me, that was the highlight of the of the social summit. Agreed, agreed. And it's I before sitting in that room with him, I liked him as a player. He was yeah. an interesting, exciting guy, but then he's got this big smile, and I love that. Clearly, his grasp on the English language isn't the best, but he's trying to learn. And he's that takes a lot of balls to sit there and and stumble through a, a second language. In a room full of strangers. Yeah. You so know. one thing we didn't pick up there was that um, before he started speaking, Nikki, Nikki Patriarca, who was the host, she was going to translate for him. And... As soon as the first question was asked, he kind of took a glance at her, and it was like, "I'm no, I, I just want to answer the question myself." Yeah, and I have a lot of respect for that. But the guys, he just, he's just got this charisma that you yeah. sit there and you just like the guy. Yeah, and and you love that he's making a kids game again. Yeah, and and, and I've, I've talked about this. We've talked about this before. It's like baseball, is such a such a freaking hard sport, and it beats you down to. A humility, it's kind of weird, like you're humble, but yet a professional baseball player is incredibly cocky and arrogant, but in the same breath, it's a humbling sport. Mm -hmm. And to have that fun, to be that free-spirited, to be able to enjoy yourself and show that emotion, um, I can't wait to see him on the mound at Petco yeah. and, and get, a, get a critical out or get a critical strikeout or, mm -hmm. you know, or double play and just watch him pump his fist and... Jump on Tatis or Urias and you know our pots just jump and just show that emotion. Yeah, that our, the Padre. I, I think a lot of us Padre fans have been lacking in in the players. So there's been so little to love on the major league team that you don't get that much emotion. And you'll see it a couple times with, with relievers and, and guys, but um, not since you know, you know you know not since Solarte have we had someone that's enjoying themselves playing the sport. Yeah. It's it's a kids game, and you, we, us as fans, we grew up. Most a lot of us grew up playing the game, yeah. and we all had that dream. You're in your backyard. You're like bottom of the ninth, two outs, da da da. da. And, and so you've got all these dreams that we had, and then these guys get to live it. Yeah. But I think some of them, and maybe it's a Latin versus American culture thing. Um, well, but the backflip stuff is. Has grown on me. I well, mean, but I wonder if, like, so I've got to imagine that guys like Ryan Weathers and Mackenzie Gore, they've had baseball drilled into them on a on a clinical level. That yeah. they've been, they've gone on traveling teams, they've been to all these camps, they've they've had to sit down and watch their video. Where in Latin America, I don't know what kind of what kind of experience like, they have. Groomed to be top elite players. Yeah, absolutely. But I wonder if that grooms some of the personality out of it. Where exactly in, in, in Latin America, there's the style. There's something about the, you know, they need to have their style. And yeah. There's this flavor that they have that they bring. And the fans and, and the atmosphere of the games are completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, in America, it's like it's almost like golf. Like we cheer, yeah, sure, but like in between pitches, it's quiet. But yeah. you you listen to you know this is a World Baseball Classic is a perfect example. Or of even this. the Mexican League. Yeah, you hear the. You hear the cowbells, the horns, the you're screaming, the yelling, the yeah. They've got songs that they sing and chants, and it's it's it's, not, a, it's, a, it's a party going yeah. on in the stands. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, and him bringing that to uh, and and thank you for holding the <laughs> yeah, I'm watching Copper's tail here, <laughs> the dog's tail. Um, there <laughs> it is. That. Um, 
And so, yeah, it's just great. I can't wait to see what happens next year. Um, once again, next year is such a pivotal point in our rebuild, a pivotal point for, I think, uh, the Padres and the Major League team. Uh, it's real important what happens, who moves up, who steps back, who comes up and makes an impact. Mm -hmm. um, we see a lot of that pitching coming on. Um, but with Tatis coming up, there's not many more bats coming up that really, uh, you know, that we're really looking forward to. Other than Hudson Potts maybe in a couple of years. Depends on what happens with... Uh, I mean, there's... There, I, we put Tatis up on a, up on a, a pillar, yeah. up on a pedestal. Because you do have other guys like Austin Allen, Josh Naylor. Uh, I mean, Buddy Reed's kind of started to make a name for himself. Yeah. And you've got some other guys that... That, but it's just not that same level of talent. I think we get excited because we really haven't had a talent yeah. of that magnitude. I, yeah. I, I know not within my memory. I Sean Burroughs doesn't even come close to what, and what Ben Davis. He was supposed to be really good coming up, but I mean, come on. It, yeah. I think we were getting excited because we had, we had a, a gem, and we're used to having all this dirt, but it wasn't a diamond. And now right. we've we've got that diamond, and it's right. like, oh my God, he's right here. Now we're watching in the playoffs. We're watching Manny Machado, and he's like the most common comp for Tatis. Yeah. Like you're watching this guy that you know, whatever personality aside, he's got the electric ability, and yeah. that's just we've not in my lifetime. I haven't seen that, and no. so I'm I'm excited for that. But I feel like we kind of diminish the other guys that are maybe they're not the A level prospect, maybe they're a B or a B minus kind of level. But those are the guys that we used to get really excited about. Right, right. That I mean, was Hunter Renfro was that, and we were yeah. all trying to talk ourselves into, oh man, this guy is going to be awesome. Yeah, when he was in the AFL back in 2000, I was thinking about this today. I think it was 2016, 2015. He, the, he, he led AFL in home runs. So we're like, beast mode. Oh, my God, we're going to have this guy. And he comes up and he kind of tears it up a little bit. But then there's that major league adjustment. And, yeah, it's just, it, it's you know, there's going to be a major league adjustment with Urias. There's going to be a major league adjustment with Tatis. And that's okay. They're going to be here. Let them acclimate to the league. Let them acclimate to major league life. And watch them blossom. So if Tatis comes up midseason and, you know, is hitting 240 uh, with maybe some pop, leave him be. Mm -hmm. Don't change anything and let him adjust him, you know, let, let him just adjust to the league. Because either he's going to do it or he's not going to do it. And well, so one of the things that we, so we look at the skills, we look at the numbers and the tools and all this, but one of the things that can't be measured is the personality factor mm -hmm. and the chemistry. And so sitting there in a room with a guy like, like Patino, yeah. and even like, like Jacob Nix, you know, you've got somebody that can sit in a room and, and relishes that moment. And I'm sure it's the same kind of thing when they're with a group of their friends that they're the center of attention. They're the life of, of the party. And, the team needs that. So maybe if so Patino, he's supposed to he's got the, the skills to be an ace. He looks yeah. like he is yeah. he could become a number one or number two starter. Yeah. But the team needs those kinds of guys, regardless of what their performance on the field is. So like Solarte, he was a utility backup kind of a guy. And yeah, he was forced into a starting role, but really that's not who he is. Right. right. But the personality you see that coming out and the people would rally around that and it kind of took on a bit of a leader role. 
So maybe that's what Patino is going to kind of become. Because I wanted to kind of bring it back to that since we just listened to the interview. I just, yeah. and I'd hearing him talk about going home. He kept talking about the food, how the food was different, and so it, the culture. And he kept coming back to the food, the food, the food. I, it, 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 we forget about that too, that these guys are from a different country. Yeah. And it's a complete yeah. culture shock. Yeah. So to adjust for that, but I like that he has a friendship with Mackenzie Gore. He called him Mac Gore. And at the game, if you remember, they sat next to each other the whole damn game. Mm-hmm. Like Fran Mill and Urias, who sat next to each other the whole damn game. And that's what we talk about, you know, when Hosmer talks about when the Royals came up, all those guys came up to the minor leagues together. Why did they succeed? Because there was that com- chemistry, that common bond that they all played together. They knew mm-hmm. where they, they knew the roles they were in. They were comfortable with each other. And that creates that comfortableness, I think, and familiarity. Uh, there's something to be said about that. A lot of people poo-poo, chemistry, winning brings chemistry, and sure, but having someone that you've been through in the minor leagues, the doldrums of the minor league system in the major leagues, and I think that breeds success. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate for you there because I know that our listeners are probably thinking this right now because we had Hedges and Hunter Renfro and Carlos Asuaje and Travis Jankowski and Ryan Schimpf. Um, and some of the pitchers that came up, and these guys all came up toward around the same time, and that was like supposed to be the first wave, and people are disappointed now because here we are a year and a half, two years later, and the performance hasn't quite caught up. Right, but Aswahe, Margot, they were trade pieces. Those guys came in mid-season last year. Mm-hmm. Reyes and Urias have been playing seasons season together. If I could be wrong, I'm pretty mm-hmm. much... I'm, I'm, Throwing that out there, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Lauer, uh, Lucchese, and and Knicks, they've been coming up from like Elsner all together. Mm-hmm. So they've been together for that season. Um, and so I think it just adds, for me, it makes it special. Because it does. These are our guys. It's nice. We haven't had someone worth a damn. It's cool to look at all the pictures, go on Instagram, and you see Fran Mill and Luis. It's funny because it's... It, you have a oh giant human being. It just made me think, what was that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito? Was it uh, Twins? Twins was Twins. Oh my God. And that's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad for bringing this up. Now I feel like, like Luis Urias would be mad at me if he ever listened to this. But that's kind of what it is because they're, they're best friends. They hang yeah. out all the time together. But then yeah. there's this huge guy and this kind of little guy. Yeah. But th- there, there's got to be something to that. That yeah. they've got a friendship and a brotherhood that they come up together and so now these next groups, so if if Gore and Patino and maybe even Osvaldo Hernandez or some of these other guys that are doing well, Tom Cosgrove, if they wind up on the Major League roster together, they've got shared experiences that go back years. Yeah. That, yeah. And a lot of those guys are going to be bullpen pieces. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of the things I just, maybe we'll, I don't know, we'll finish that, but like, not everyone is going to be an everyday starter. Like, we need, like, who kind of sticks out with me, and I hate to bring up the Dodgers, is uh, Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor catches. Chris Taylor plays shortstop. Chris Taylor plays center field. Chris Taylor hits and hits and keep, you know, and he's like one of those super utility guys. Um, you Kike, know, ben, Kike Hernandez. Kike kind Hernandez. Of and I really, you know, because they're in the playoffs and we see him a lot, but we need those guys, the guys that can fill in the holes and produce. Okay, so this is a debate that I've had a couple of times with people because the Cubs are another team like that. Chris Bryant plays multiple positions. Um, they've got Ben Zobrist that moves all over the place. They've, they've got a bunch of guys that can play multiple positions. We've got more peepins. Oh, no. Oh, bad pu- naughty puppy. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, uh, we okay. just... Um, that, we'll do that. We'll go well, real quick. We'll so finish up the story and we'll go People up harp the on the set lineup and the set positions and all of this. I get it that people need a defined role to become familiar and comfortable, but some people don't operate that way and they need to move around and they can be successful that way. Yeah. So we're seeing that in the postseason. Um, I just, I don't know how everybody fits, but it's going to be interesting to watch this puzzle come together. Yes, absolutely. And with that, we'll say you can reach me at SD Donovan. And I am Roy at Zippy underscore TMS. And tell us what you think. Go Padres. Go Padres.